0: Sports, 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 sports. So they just sit there and talk about sports? Day baseball, actual football, and a host almost as loud as Joe Blank. Turn that radio off, it's Thursday on the
1: blade. Diabolical. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, this is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. That's great. in for Fred and A.J.
0: on The Blitz. 713-780-3776, 713-780-ESPN on the HRP. Listen to the line on the text line. Uh, on Twitter, at pcreighton1. And on the other side of the glass, the master controls. At Aaron is blitzed. At ESPN 97.5. Uh, technically at uh, degenerates975. Although neither of the degenerates are here today. Uh, they are both doing this thing called uh, vacation. Earlier today, uh, AJ posted out a picture of uh, some dude laying in like a duck floaty, Saying, peace, I'm out. Pretty sure Fred uh, decided to head out to Lake Charles and play some poker. Good idea, considering uh, the roads here are not exactly roads anymore. They're somewhat streams. We had day baseball, and it's actually still going on as the Sox and the Strohs now top of the ninth. It has not been a good day uh, for the home team. They trail it five to nothing uh, on a day where several of the Astros regulars got the day off and Jake Odorizzi didn't have his best stuff. you, Carlos Craig got a day off. Uh, He hasn't had a day off in about three weeks. Kyle Tucker got a day off. I don't think he's been off since about May 5th and he fouled a ball off his knee yesterday. Uh, Martin Maldonado got the day off and Michael Brantley, of course, still out of the lineup. So, the Astros ran a Ledmus-D at short. Taylor Jones in left, Chaz McCormick in right, and Garrett Stubbs behind the plate. So the, uh, the B squad, the split squad, hasn't uh, found a way to get the bats going against uh, Martin Perez and the Red Sox today. As, uh, so far, the Astros have a total of six hits and they have drawn one walk. And one thing about this Astros team is generally, they draw a good amount of walks. No walks really. Only only one walk today in in eight innings for the Astros. And if we uh, take a peek at how some of those uh, other guys did, well, Ledmus Diaz is two for three with a walk. He's been the only guy in the lineup to do anything. Yuli Gurriel is two for three and. Hey, Chas McCormick has a hit. So does Garrett Stubbs. Altuve, Breggs, Jordan, Taylor Jones, Maestro, all taking callers today. So, not the best day uh, for the Astros at the plate. But still, they'll take three of four from a very good Red Sox team that came in hitting the hell out of the ball. And over the last, what, the first three games of this series, I think they held the heart of the Red Sox order to, like, four for 27. So while Odorizzi wasn't uh, great today and Christian Javier had some problems finding the plate, you take three or four from the Red Sox following the way that series with the Padres went, it's not that bad. Overall, you wind up going five and four through this nine game stretch against the Dodgers, the Padres and the Red Sox you play 500 ball or slightly better than 500 ball against the best teams in baseball. Well, that's kind of what you expect from a team that is also among the best teams in baseball. You know, you beat up on each other a little bit. After the Padres beat up on the Astros, they went out of town and then they got punched around. So you split against the best teams. That's, That's pretty much on par for what you you need to do. And considering their bullpen woes, considering the injuries they've had to overcome, are are, are you not, I mean, is that not uh, acceptable to go five and four in in that stretch, that nine-game stretch? You know, you, you look back and say, oh, well, you know, you could have won all three games against the Padres. Well, you didn't. But you still won five out of the nine games in that stretch. And, you know, if we take a look at where the Astros are overall, you know, they entered today, what, uh, a half a game out? They're a half a game out. Uh, After this, they'll be a full game out. But they've got two full games in hand against the Oakland Athletics. So, tough day for uh, for the Astros today as it doesn't all work. But overall, five and four against three of the best teams in baseball. Not the worst thing that could have happened. Here is something that might be among the worst things that could happen, and that is well, they got bad news on Ken Emanuel today. Ken Emanuel, who uh, last pitched May 25th and threw a grand total of four pitches before coming out of the game, he is having surgery. Uh, ulnar collateral ligament in his elbow. His season is over. Now, Emmanuel had Tommy John surgery back in 2015. He tore the UCL again in 2020. Early in 2020, they didn't go to surgery. They tried to do the the rich uh, the the platelets rich plasma route and some different things like that. It worked well enough that he said he was able to manage the pain. Uh, you might also remember Ken Emanuel failed a PD test last year, which um, he said he has no idea how the PD has gotten to his system. Oh, that injury, you know, re-tearing the UCL may have been part of the reason why he wound up with that stuff in his, in his body. Emmanuel said they're not going to go right to a second Tommy John, though. They're going to try out this new procedure. So Emmanuel is talking about there is a a new procedure that apparently uh, Rich Hill, I guess, is like the first guy to really try this and, you know, able to come back. So he's having the surgery done uh, at the Andrews Sports Medicine Center in Birmingham. Yes, that's the James Andrews. Sports Medi- Medical Center in, in Birmingham. And Dr. Jeffrey Dugas is going to do this procedure. And this is this procedure is called a primary repair. And he did it on Rich Hill back in November of 2019. And Rich Hill has been able to come back and have success. And it actually involves, uh, instead of doing the whole, you know, ligament to repair replacement, they use tape. And they make this like internal brace and they put that around the, you know, the, the torn or ripped up area of the ligament. And this is supposed to allow a manual to start throwing within a couple of months. So the recovery on this particular procedure is eight to nine months versus Tommy John surgery, which is 12 to like 15 months. It's, it's a relatively new procedure. There's and Emmanuel even said, look, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of data on it. So, you know, he can't say, well, this is definitely going to happen. That's definitely going to happen because there haven't been a whole lot of guys who have done this yet. But he's trying to go this route to avoid having a second Tommy John surgery, which would wipe out almost a year and a half of uh, of potential time for him. I mean, Emmanuel just turned 29 years old. And, you know, he had that terrific relief appearance where he comes in, he goes eight and two-thirds, uh, comes in in relief with Jake Odorizzi and against the Angels, and he's great. And unfortunately, he, he didn't get to pitch much thereafter. He wound up pitching a total of 10 games this season and 17 and two-thirds innings with 255 ERA. So he pitched pretty well which is kind of amazing considering he's pitching with a torn UCL. But Ken Emanuel now down for the season, just another blow to the the Astros' bullpen, which continues to... Well, the news never seems to be good, right? Now, as far as things that are also questionable or not so good, Louis Garcia is probably going to the pen when Lance McCullers Jr. comes back. This is a bad decision. Garcia has definitely been one of their five best starters. Like this is is unquestionable to me. He has pitched, he's pitched great, and nobody could have expected he would be this good when you know he had a, a cup of coffee with them last year when you know the they were running out of pitchers and he'd never pitched above high A. And he has developed a cutter to go along with his slider and change up that the cutter has become a really good pitch for him. He used to have trouble throwing a slider for strikes, but since he's learned the cutter, he has gotten better command of his slider and he already had a really good change. So here's a guy who is developing at a fast rate because he's he's mastered another pitch. And right now, if you take a peek at their starters, Louis Garcia's got a 272 ERA and a one whip. One dot zero zero. Like legit one. If we look at his ERA versus the ERA of well all the other starters, guess who the best one is? It's Louis Garcia. Granke is at 367 after he had that little four-game stretch where he couldn't get out of the fifth inning. Jose Urquidy's pitched well. He's at 302 in his four starts. You know, the Valdez, Valdez has only made the the two starts, so I didn't really count him in the calculation, but from Valdez has been great. He's only thrown 11 innings, but 164 ERA and 14 punch-outs. He, he's only walked four guys. Now, you might say four walks and 11 innings. That's, that's a little on the high side, but the 14 punch-outs more than offsets it when you're, When your strikeout-to-walk ratio is better than 3-to-1, you're doing all right. Especially when you've only given up seven hits. Valdez looking very much like the Valdez of 2020 and not the Valdez of 2019. And that's a big deal because Valdez of 2020, that guy's a front-of-the-rotation pitcher. But Jake Odorizzi, and look, I've got some issues with how they've handled Jake Odorizzi. But clearly, Odorizia does not look like one of their five best starters right now. We'll get more into that and some more Astros on the other side. Patch Creighton in for Fred and AJ. It's the Blitz.
1: This is the Blitz on ESPN 97.5. Listening to the Blitz on ESPN 975. And on ESPN 925. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Here's Fred Fower and AJ Hoffman.
0: Well, Yuli Guriel decided he is not standing for a shutout. And in the ninth inning, Yuli deposits one 384 feet to left. To put the Astros on the board and spare them the indignity of being shut out. To Brandon Workman on the mound for the Sox. He just got called up. Today's his first game back with the team. He just got called up. Way to go. Eh, first yeah, game ZRA back. It was just below a seven when he threw his first pitch of the ninth inning. I have a feeling that Yuli bomb did something to it. Yeah. It did. But he had just gotten recalled. There was a few breaking balls and. takes down uh, Chaz McCormick. So the Astros go down 5-1. They still take three or four. They take five out of nine in this nine-game stretch against the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Red Sox. And it's not going to get a whole lot easier. Probably not for another, what, two and a half weeks? Because the Astros' schedule through the middle of June... Uh, with the day game, this is a getaway day, hence the day game. They head to Toronto, which means they head to Dunedin or they head to Buffalo. Now, they're going to Buffalo because they can't actually play in Toronto right now. So they're going to go to Buffalo and play three against the Jays. Then they go to Fenway and play three more against the Red Sox before they go to Minnesota for three against the Twinkies. Then they come back home, they get two gimmies against the Junk Grabbers before taking the White Sox in for four games. So from now through June 20th, with the exception of two games against the Arlington Junk Grabbers, they're playing good team, good team, good team, good team. This is is playoff baseball. Then after they wrap at the White Sox, they go back on the road uh, for a week but they go to Baltimore and they go to Detroit then they come back and they host Baltimore so you get a 10 game stretch against bad teams and then to start that that closes out the month and then for the start of July you've got in Cleveland home against the Oakland ass and then they welcome in the New York Yankees. For three games and that better be three games of absolute retribution if you are an Astros fan you better not have a short memory as for how your team was treated in the Bronx for nine innings F Altuve F the Astros you're all cheaters nine innings three games relentless Hell, the Knicks get knocked out of the playoffs and and afterwards, they're all sitting there in Madison Square Garden trying to get out of the garden and they're yelling, F. Altuve. Reasons why I'm glad I gave up my Knicks fandom. Dumbass owner, dumbass fans. But do not forget the way your team was treated in New York. When they come in, you better be loud as hell and you better be giving it to them for nine innings. No excuses. I was very disappointed in Astros fan turnout with the Dodgers coming to town. There were way too many Dodgers fans here. They were way too loud. There should never be a time when Dodgers fans are as loud or louder than Astros fans in your building. I don't care if they made a concerted effort to travel. This is your park. Stadium holds what 44,000? Get there and be freaking loud. You don't have to drop the F bombs like the Crash New Yorkers. But you absolutely need to give them hell for 9 innings all 3 games. I don't care if you're up 10, down 10, tie game, give them hell. Be relentless. That's part of what makes Yankee, you know, Yankee Stadium such a a great home field. It's not because, you know, of of, of the the hallowed ghosts of the past. That's not the same building. This is the house Jeter built, not the house Ruth built. Babe, Lou, Joe, Mickey, Marriott, these guys didn't play it. Reggie, they didn't play there. building was built in 09 just like you know uh city field they built it in the parking lot of shea stadium well yankee stadium it's just you know a couple hundred feet from where the old one was they just moved it (laughs) when they built the new building they even tried to take some of the pillars when they were moving the uh the old the old monuments they took some of the pillars from the old building to move them over You know, one of the biggest reasons why the Yankees have such a great home field, their fans are relentless. They're loud. They scream. They never stop. Whether they're really smart, educated fans or whether they're bleacher creatures, they are relentless. That's what you need to be. World Series level loud, relentless especially against the Yankees. I love the Yankees yelling, yeah, you're all cheaters, because the Astros beat the Yankees in 2017. Of course, in 2017, the Yankees were caught cheating and punished by baseball. That fact always seems to, you know, slip past all the common sense. Uh, that, that's one of the things I've loved about you know the coverage with the Yankees is you know, going right back to the to the beginning, let's say last year, right, where the Yankees reporters, the beat guys, and they're all talking to, to Boone and the Yankees, and they're like, hey, Astros, those cheating SOBs, like, and completely omit the fact the Yankees were caught cheating in 2017 and fined for it, and that they and the Red Sox outing each other and busting each other is why Manfred put out the whole edict of, well, the next team we catch is really going to get it. The Yankees were the reason for that. And not one single person who covers the Yankees, locally or nationally, had the common sense or the guts to bring that up for two full years. One thing I can tell you about New York is it's a big deal in New York for for journalists and and beat reporters and, and, and people, you know, who broadcast the games. It's a big deal to keep a measure of impartiality, right? Like the TV broadcast, if you listen to the Mets radio or TV broadcast, they are not super homers. A lot of teams have super homers, especially for their radio broadcasts. Team radio broadcasts are almost not just homer; they're super homer. The TV broadcasts are supposed to be a little more impartial, uh, a little more down the middle, with just like a slight slant to your team. Uh, you know, in in certain situations, to, to play to the crowd. That's that's how it's supposed to be. The, the beat writers aren't supposed to just absolutely suck up and, and kiss ass and and paint it all one way. That's a that's like a hallmark of New York reporting. But when it came to the cheating aspect of the Yankees, you'd think it never happened. It's absolutely embarrassing. Cheating as cheaters. You know, it's. And it goes back to the same thing. Oh, the, the Astros cheated to win. Well, so did the Yankees and the Red Sox. Let's not forget the Brewers. The Mets accused the Dodgers of cheating in 2017. Everybody was cheating. They just didn't win. Does that make it better? Because it shouldn't. It's the Blitz.
1: ESPN 97.5 This is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5 And on ESPN 92.5 Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios Here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman
0: right, Patrick Creighton in for Fred and A.J. on The Blitz 713-780-3776, 713-780-ESPN, IHRMP listener line on the text line on Twitter at Creighton one Get Aaron, uh, at Aaron is blitz.esp975. Hey, you can like the Blitz on Facebook. Go to the Blitz 975. Get us on the ESPN 97.5 radio app, esp975.com. Find all the podcasts at Podcast Arena on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcast. And, of course, on the Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash ESPN975. Hey, let me uh, tell you about our friends at 5 Under Golf Center, Southeast Texas Premier Entertainment Venue. You know, they've, uh, they're the only place in Southeast Texas where you can get the top tracer summer golf league. And you got to register soon because Monday, the 7th, is the first week of the season. So it's four-man teams. You get two uh, extras, like two uh, two bench guys, four-man teams. You play 10 weeks. There's all kinds of prizes. It's a lot of fun. It's the only place to do it. And for those of you who are looking for something to do tomorrow, well, guess who's going to be broadcasting live from Five Under Golf and Beaumont tomorrow? That's right. It's ESPN 97.5. Get out there with Joel Blank in the press box. Uh, tomorrow, Jerry Bowen and Josh Jordan will be in for the guys on the Blitz. So the Moneyline guys getting you all your weekend action. Going into the weekend on location, 5 Under Golf, College Street in Beaumont, quarter mile north of I-10. Uh, go to 5undergolf.com. That's the number five, 5undergolf.com. You can check out all their events. You can make your reservations, schedule your time, for uh playing in the top tracer uh in the top tracer league uh, or if you just want to go to the driving range top tracer driving range if you want to get in the top golf swing suite if you want to get in the Simbay, 5undergolf.com all right so one of our astros tenants from before the season was can they get contracts done for Lance McCullers Jr and Carlos Correa before the season started, or are they going to risk losing these guys? Now, they got a deal done with Lance McCullers Jr., and they actually got a a very team-friendly deal done with Lance McCullers Jr. But they haven't been able to get a deal done with Carlos Correa. Carlos is not interested in giving the home team discount. And, And I don't know how much of that is, you know, Carlos kind of did the team a solid when he got drafted for the amount of money that he took so that they could sign other guys. How much of that is he saw how they manipulated service time on on George Springer. Or how much of that is he sees right now what top shortstops are making. And he knows he's going to get a piece of it. So why give away what could very easily be yours a year early? And then you see the deal Fernando Tatis Jr got. You see the deal Frankie Lindor got. When Frankie Lindor got what 340, 350 million dollars, there was no way Carlos Correa was getting under 200. And right now Carlos Correa is he's kind of been like sneaky productive. And I say this because, you know, he, he doesn't have like 15 homers. You know, uh, Tatis is, you know, easy to say, Tatis is a better home run hitter than Carlos Correa, but Carlos Correa has actually been hitting very well. Uh, he's hitting 274, but his OPS is 819. And he's got eight homers and 13 doubles, got 28 RBI. And... He's walked 27 times. His walk rate is up. And his strikeout rate is down. His OPS is, his OPS plus is 129. That means his OPS is 29% better than the Major League Baseball average. And he continues to play defense like a gold glove at short. A play he made yesterday five what four or five steps on the outfield grass and still gunned the guy out at first base. Nice pick from Yuli. But his on base is up. I mean, last year his on base was three twenty six, and right now it's three sixty one. He's hitting for a better average. He's already got more homers than he hit last year. He got better OPS, better on base, better OPS plus. But his his discipline at the plate, his walk rate is almost 12%. That would be a career best. His strikeout rate right now is 15.7. That would also be a career best. So he's walking more and striking out less than he has at any other point in his career he's also not chasing last year korea chased the worst he's ever chased in his career he was swinging at a ton of stuff outside the zone you know chasing it forcing it uh, getting himself out almost 34% chase rate last year for korea this year under 26% that is 5% better Uh, than the MLB average this year. He's not swinging at trash. He has gotten a lot better recognition at the plate. And in the month of May, he actually had more walks than strikeouts. This is, you know, shaping up to be, Korea continues to to maintain those type of of trends. You know, I guess they're numbers, they're trends. You know, we're looking at a 30-day sample or May 31-day sample. You know, now we've got a 31-day sample for May. You've got a 60-day sample for April and May. These are his trends for this year. He continues on that trend and he's, Looking at having maybe the best season of his career. One thing about Correa, Correa hits his homers in bunches. He gets on a streak, he bangs out a bunch of homers. uh, And, and, you know, he'll hit 10 homers in, you know, six weeks. Might hit 10 homers in four weeks. He has that kind of, like, just sudden hot streak where you just can't get him out. And while he hasn't hit for the, you know, again, he hasn't hit for the big home run numbers, he does have 13 doubles, and that's that's a lot of doubles. So Correa, in in what is essentially a salary year, at right, a walk year, a contract year, Korea's performing in the field at the plate. He's performing. And and the reason that this matters because one way or another they've got to make a decision with Korea. Correa. And when it comes to Correa, either you're going to give him a long term deal, or you're going to offer him arbitration. You're going to give him a qualifying offer, uh, and then he's going to decline the qualifying offer and he's going to become a free agent. Now, if you offer the if you give him the QO and he declines and he signs with somebody else, you're eligible for draft pick compensation. Normally, that draft pick compensation would be uh, after the second round of the draft. Hold on, take that info and stick it in your back pocket. Because if we look at what the Astros' strengths and weaknesses are right now, and guys who could potentially be available uh, as the deadline comes around. And keep in mind, everybody that I've talked to that covers the team or, you know, that covers baseball nationally, they all think the Astros are going to be buyers at the deadline. And that flies directly in the face of everything that we've heard, you know, from Jim Crane and, you know, from James Click, which is they do not want to be taxpayers. Technically, the Astros were taxpayers last year. They were, they were, with the short season, they were over, you know, by by just a little bit. They paid like $3.1 million in tax. Not, not a lot of tax. But they paid tax. That means that if they pay tax this year, the rate goes up. So the first year that you're a taxpayer, you pay 20%. The second year that you're a taxpayer, you pay 30%. And if you're gonna have to, and you only pay on the amount that you go over. So if they go $10 million over, they'd have to pay $3 million in tax. Which, like grand scheme of things, not not that much when you're talking about going for a World Series, right? You, You go to the World Series. And you'll do more than that just in World Series merchandise. If you win the World Series, you'll do like 30 times that in in merchandise. So the idea of, oh, well, you know, we can't go over the taxes. We'll just get crushed. Not true. But obviously, Correa is going to want a contract that is going to pay like a champion. And if he, Puts up a year where he hits
1: 270,
0: 280, and 370 on base, and 850 OPS, and he's got 25, 30 homers, and he plays Gold Glove defense. He's going to get paid like a champion. That is going to happen. But as we look to, like, what do they do? Like, you know, can they make uh, can they make moves uh, at the deadline? Can they can they bring guys in? Yeah, they can, but there's there's ramifications for doing so beyond just the the tax. There's a draft pick issue also. I'll explain that on the other side. Patrick created for Fred and AJ, it's the blitz.
1: don't get This is the Blitz on ESPN 975 you're listening to the blitz on espn seven five and on espn 92.5 live from the veritex community bank studios here's fred fower and aj hoffman PC and
0: Fred and AJ on the Blitz. Hey, have you signed up for our ESPN 975 listener email yet? Because you get the latest info on what's happening with your favorite radio station. Us! Including upcoming events like being out at 5-under golf at Beaumont tomorrow. Giveaways, which we'll have later on in the show. And a chance to be highlighted as our listener of the week. Go to ESPN975.com and subscribe. So, remember, we were talking about uh, if the Astros exceed the competitive balance tax and they have, because they'd be a quote, second time taxpayer two seasons in a row, they'd have to pay a 30% tax on the overages. So, 30% on whatever they spend over the $210 million. Here's, here's the kicker. After, when when you consider the Astros kind of got kicked in the you-know-whats with the sign-stealing stuff and baseball stripped them of two firsts and two seconds and, like, obliterated their international pool money. If they pay the tax this year, they get kicked again on draft compensation. So, let's say, uh, whether it's Carlos Correa, or it's an Verlander, anybody who's eligible to get a QO. They make the QO on that guy, and then they decline the QO, and they sign somewhere else. Normally, you'd get a compensatory pick after the second round. But if they'd be a 30% taxpayer second time around, that becomes comp picks after the fourth round. So not only do they have to pay the tax, they get kicked in the draft when they come to their competitory picks. And for a team that hasn't had a first or a second for two years, that probably figures into their thinking, especially when you consider who the new GM is. So that makes it, you know, questionable. Okay, how much are, are they really willing to do? How much are they really willing to take on? Now, because they added uh, Ralph Garza Jr. to the forty-man roster, they now had to give him a. They had to give him a, a major league contract. Well, now he counts against the luxury tax uh, comp- computations. And right now, uh, according to Spotrac, when you add in the prorated contract for Ralph Garza. The Astros are about $1.75 million from the tax. For them to bring in basically anybody to make any move on the 40-man roster, it's going to be almost impossible for them not to go over the tax unless they ship somebody out but realistically they don't like, like. they don't have guys that they can ship out they don't have just guys who are extras who are desirable to other teams that are making a, a decent amount of money they can go move on from right I mean unless they make the decision that they're going to move Jake O'Reasy at the deadline, which I don't think they will do, Uh, unless they can get somebody, and I mean somebody, uh, to want to take on Joe Smith's contract, and don't see that happening, although... Joe Smith did pitch a clean inning today. It was nice to see him get his ERA down to 6.61. That's not a guy who who they're going to be able to move and and move his salary. Alednes Diaz is like the next guy on the list. He's making $3 million. Not a lot of money. He's still arbitration eligible. Uh, But he is... Their super utility guy played short today. He's played left. He's played right. He's played first, second, and third. And he's also literally one injury away from being an everyday player. You can't move him without making the team worse. And that's really where, you know, the numbers kind of end, right? Because after Brooks Raley, who makes two million dollars, and Ryan Stanek, who makes one point one, everybody else on the team is making six forty and less. Your, your minimum contract range. So there's not there's not guys that you can move like to move salary per se that aren't going to negatively impact your baseball team. And again, everybody that I've talked to locally, nationally uh, guys who cover the Astros guys, who cover baseball in general, they all think the Astros are going to be buyers at the deadline. And I'm just not sold on it because you know, the team, the front office, the owner, they've been so adamant. They don't want to pay the tax. Everything they did this offseason was about not paying the tax. And when we get to July, when we get to the when we get to the break, right after they finish that three game series, the Yankees, we go to the All Star break. Right, this is where you're cutting the cream from the chafe. Now either you're in or you're out. You're trying to win a World Series or you're not. And if the Astros are legitimately trying to win a World Series, then you have to make the moves that are going to get you those players. Right? You, you need more role players in order to get to the promised land if you're the Astros. And having the seven starters, you know, Lance Piccolo Jr. comes back, and then you've got Louis Garcia, you got Christian Javier, and they're kind of, like, bumped to the pen. Having those seven starters is so important because, again, from the beginning of the year, Urquidy is going to be on an innings limit. Valdez is going to be on an innings limit. Javier is going to be on an innings limit. McCullers Jr. is going to be on an innings limit. Garcia is going to be on an innings limit. Only Granky can give you 200 plus. Don't have to worry about an innings limit with Odorizzi. He's a veteran pitcher and generally he's the five inning pitcher anyway so he's not going to throw more than 100 and with the amount of time that he's missed there's no way he throws more than 150 innings including the postseason this year but all the other guys you got to watch their numbers and if you can all right, well I got to skip this guy or you know we'll we'll, we'll shut him down for uh, a week or so and give his arm a little rest here we'll move this other guy in and the fact that you can do that or you could do some tandem pitching you know, you have guys throw less innings and then you tandem them up with with either a Garcia or a Javier and, and you you tandem there, you know, five innings, four innings, four innings, four innings, etc. You can monitor innings that way. When you get into the dog days of summer, you really have to be aware of where those innings are. Because acquiring starting pitching is gonna be expensive as all hell. Now, if you can get some pen help. You know, you could get guys who aren't necessarily uh, expensive in salary. Like Richard Rodriguez of the Pirates. He's been their closer, and he's been really good. Uh, He throws, I don't know, 93, but he's got a 27.5% strikeout rate and a 6.5% walk rate. He's 31. Uh, He's pitching really well. He's under team control through 2023. He only makes a million seven this year, of which, if you acquire him around the deadline, you only have one third of that prorated to you. When you have a guy who's pitching well and is cheap, it's going to cost prospects. Or you've got to take on a bad contract to get him in. The Astros don't have a lot of prospects the idea of taking the salary on would make the most sense for this team. And and isn't that what we should be about? This team, this group, this core. They're not going to get any younger. If you're focused on, well, how do we rebuild the farm system? How do we keep the draft picks? Then you're not focused on how do we win the World Series. And while Bregman and Correa and... Jordan and Altuve are all still prime players. That should be the focus every single year while they are. All right, we had actual football today. We'll get to it next on a blitz.
1: 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Real, Real fun, fun Sports. sports.